please be advised. We will be discussing subjects that may not be suitable for all audiences, and will include subjects that some will find challenging, traumatic, or triggering. Welcome to You Don't Fight Alone, a podcast sharing the stories of those of us successfully living with mental illness and how we got here. There's been a couple of rock bottoms, you know. Um, so a little bit of background, first of all. Um, I started displaying signs of depression when I was 12 or so. Um, I had an abusive stepfather and certainly didn't uh, help matters any. Um, it was about, I was 12 or 13 um, when I first thought about committing suicide. And, you know, it sort of pops up every couple of years where I'll just go, I'll, I'll, I'll feel like that again, you know? Um, and so I feel like each time it happens is rock bottom. And I will get back up and then hit rock bottom again. Um, my latest, uh, if you will, rock bottom would be... Uh, a year ago in November, when I was at home, um, it was just me and my uh, my daughter, and I I was in this uh, this fight with my wife, and um, I don't know what happened. I sort of like lost. I wouldn't say lost consciousness, but I sort of lost my ability to think straight. Before I knew it, I was standing over my sink with a uh, mostly empty bottle of sleeping pills and uh, I end up uh, in the hospital at that point and uh, yeah so uh, that was my latest bout at the bottom if you will you know it's so hard to really pinpoint exactly what happened um, this depression of mine it sort of comes and goes in waves and at this point I was just I was feeling like shit if i may swear this okay <laughs> i was feeling just like absolute shit and i was fighting with my wife and we were like broke or something and i i don't know exactly what happened but she left and i told her like you can't leave i'm not in a good place right now and so she left i'm at home alone with my kid and she called me and i told her to come home she's like well i'm not i'm not coming home and that's the, sort of the last thing I remember before I'm standing over the sink. I remember after that, I called her. I told her what happened. She called 911, and before I knew it, I was being whisked off to the hospital. Um, it was really, it was terrifying, you know. I, I thought. I was going to die for sure. I'd never felt like that before. And to know that, like, my wife is on foot. She's an hour away, so she's not coming home right away. To leave my house in an ambulance with a police escort and leaving my daughter alone with the police until she got home 
you know. It just it it's it was scary. It was I don't know how things could ever get worse than that, you know. Hi, my name is Patrick. Uh, I was diagnosed with uh, major depressive disorder. Uh, I've got uh, anxiety disorder, and what is the other one? The other one is uh, borderline personality disorder. When I started um, feeling like this when I was 12, 13, whatever, um, I was actually hospitalized for a little while, and I, I had a, someone at the hospital that had diagnosed me with... Uh, with major depressive disorder. And as, um, as life went on and I started getting more help and more help, um, you know, the anxiety started to get really bad. I got diagnosed with the anxiety disorder and uh, the borderline as well. That, that wasn't my first suicide attempt, but that was the first one where I don't feel like I was in control of my body. Um, I, I've, I've had instances where I've purposefully, um, you know, overdosed on, um, on my antidepressants when I was younger, I think it was more of just like, a am edgy and I'm depressed and I want your attention. And, you know, it used to be when I was younger, it was like, it was so cool. It's like, I'm depressed. I'm different. I'm so dark man the girls are gonna love me spoiler alert they didn't no <laughs> after what i took like the amount of sleeping pills i took i was basically you know asleep but it wasn't quite like that it was like i remember just like bits and pieces of like fading in and out of consciousness um i remember just sitting in the waiting room not the waiting room in the er room in my bed and just like hooked up to all these machines everything like has like swirliness like you know when you see like a like a drug trip on TV or something, how everything's sort of swirly. Um, it was like that. And I remember just being scared because my wife didn't want to see me. Uh, she didn't want my kids to see me. Um, I didn't have my wallet or my phone. And so it's not like I could have called family. And even if I could, I mean, my family lives in Canada. So it's not like they could come to see me. So I remember just feeling so scared and alone and unsure of you know what was going to happen one thing that i do remember very vividly though is um as you'll recall my i was home alone with my kid i'm i'm fading in and out and the police came and they charged me with um child abuse ultimately ultimately it the um, DA is like, I'm not going to uh, prosecute. You know, you're seeking help. You had this incident. We know you're not a bad person. We know you're not a bad father. We're not going to prosecute, which is good because I'm here on a green card. 
And had they prosecuted, my ass would be back in Canada right now, away from my family. I actually, I moved here 10 years ago. I was married to someone else in the States. After I finished school, um, I moved down here to be with my, my first wife. And uh, shortly after I spent like $4,000 in lawyer and green card fees, she's like, oh, you know, the, uh, the spark's gone. I want you. I found out later she was cheating on me with a friend of ours, now hers. They're married. They have twins. It's great. I'm happy for them, whatever. But I met my current wife um, about five, six months after I left. Um, I, I found a cheap place. I was paying like $300 a month for this shitty little apartment. You know, I think someone was shot in the neck just outside my house shortly after I moved. And, uh, yeah, so it, it was nice to, to have someone with whom I could pull my resources. He was around until I was 18. I had already moved out of the house when um, my mom left him. Um, so when I, when I say abusive, I, I sort of want to put this in context because there's not like, abuse comes in all sorts of forms. Um, his big thing, like, so he was just an all around asshole. Let me just get that out there. Um, Friday nights, my mother had a job at uh, a local drugstore and it was like her part-time thing because she, you know, she stayed home. I have two younger sisters. Um, we were sort of on alternating schedules for a little while where I would come home from school. My sister would leave. Um, so she didn't really get a chance to work full time. But, um, so his big thing was, um, having me and my next younger sister, the middle child, um, we were biologically not his, my youngest is, uh, biologically his child. And she was, you know, she can't do any wrong. She's, you know, just perfect, which, you know, no one's perfect, but like, so my mom would go to work on Friday nights and like the whole house would just be like a wreck just from, you know, life with three kids, which I totally understand. Um, but he had something, um, his big thing was trying to get me and, and my, my sister to clean, which normally it's great. You have kids, you want them to sort of work. But his thing was that he had it, he called it uh, dungeon duty. Yeah, it sounds weird. And let me explain to you what dungeon duty is. Okay, so dungeon duty is when he purposefully makes a mess and watches us clean it up while yelling insults at us. Okay, yeah, no, it, 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 you think this is fucked up. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you about some of the things that uh, this entailed. So my nature is to, there's trouble. I'm going to withdraw into myself. And I think that this has something to do with it. But my sister, who's almost two years younger than I am, uh, she was a fighter. I mean, she still is. She's, she's not dead or anything. Um, 
she's a fighter, so she fought him. And it got to the point where, like, how can I put this? Okay, for, for let, let me give you an example. Laundry for five people. There's a lot of it. And most of the time, you know, my mother would put it up, but she'd have, like, a basket full of socks that needed to be sorted. Well, come Friday night when it's dungeon duty time, he would um, take the socks and he'd just throw them all over the place, you know? It, just, just, like, shit like that. And he'd be like, I'm going to watch you clean it up. I'm going to insult you. I'm going to laugh at you. My sister started crying. And what he would do is he would grab a video camera, film it, play it back while laughing, and then threaten to send it to our grandparents. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think that anyone would, would find that funny. You know? And so it was like this pattern where my mother would go to work and I would just, we would dread it. It's like, what what's going to happen? You know, it was just, it was ridiculous. He would like, he would slap me around just like physically. If I ever mouthed off to him, which is why I sort of withdrew into myself, but my mom would come home and I would have like bruises, you know, I'd be, I'd be a mess. And but I mean, she was she was working at a drugstore part time, you know, and it's not like she had the resources to really leave, you know. Um, my grandfather was a very old Italian man, very very traditional, and when my mom got divorced from my my father, my biological father, he said to her, "You know what? That's your fault. You're getting divorced." we're not going to help you out. You know, and that's that that was sort of our reality. I don't know what went on behind closed doors when I was young, but like they were always fighting. I don't know about what. I was too young to really understand it. And so that's when I it was during one of these big fights with my my stepfather during it was either dungeon duty or if it was really bad he'd call it double dungeon duty because he's you know he's a funny man <laughs> um i just i grabbed a knife and i like held it up to my chest and i'm like come on i'm gonna i'm gonna do it uh he ended up smacking me and i dropped the knife but uh you know that that's sort of where it all began i i was hospitalized shortly after that um and yeah, that's when I, my, my journey started in, uh, you know, seeking mental health treatment. I would have been 12 or 13 or something like that. Um, I'm on antidepressants, which certainly take the edge off, but it's not like the be-all and end-all of mental health treatment. I've got a uh, psychologist that I see not as often as I should. Um, once every four or five months, you know. Um, and actually, brand new, I am seeing 
another psychologist who's a sleep specialist because um, the anxiety that I feel that it's sort of been getting worse the last couple of weeks uh, is preventing me from sleeping at night. You know, I'll get really tired and, and I'll be about to sleep and then my brain's like, ah, uh, nope, no, no, you don't. Remember that time when you were 10 and you said something mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a lot of that going on too. Yeah. Thankfully, I'm on um, I'm like one of the anti uh, anti anxiety medications that I'm on. Uh, I take it at night before bed. It knocks me out. But like, I'm doing this weird thing recently where if I seem to forget it, I'll go to sleep just fine. But like 4:30 in the morning rolls around and I'm just like. I'm awake, I'm freaking out, and I can't go back to sleep. And I'm like, well, I may as well just go to work, I guess. Well, I gotta say, it's been sporadic at best. Like, um, it seems since then my... It's like a roller coaster, you know, I'll have, like, months that I'm just great and everything's fantastic and then all of a sudden you snap your fingers and I'm just experiencing that lowest of the low again um now my problem is that um when I'm feeling good I just like I stop therapy I stop the medication you know I'm like oh great I'm cured I'm gonna be great and then you know then uh you know, things will get bad again. I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll call the doctor. Jeez. Um, and so that's sort of what I've been doing the last, like, 25 years or, or whatever ridiculous amount of time it's been. Um, there, there have, as, as, as I may have mentioned, there have been other, like, suicide attempts. And I'll end up in the hospital again. And I'll, I'll do you know, therapy and adjust the meds um, as needed. The problem that I have with therapy, though, is that I don't know what to say. And I don't really have, like, it, it, it's hard for me to go see a therapist, try to tell my life story. And, like, I, I could do that once. That's great. I will tell my life story. But once it's all out what do you talk about your second time? What my natural tendency is to say, oh, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'm just having a rough time. I don't know what we're going to do with the other 55 minutes of this appointment, <laughs> but I'm great. And then I'll just stop, stop going. I won't make that follow-up appointment until I need it again. And like the last time I went, I think was... August or September at this point. Um, you know, I've been on my, my medication and that's taken the edge off. But uh, it's just, I, I, I have terrible follow-up when it comes to these things because I just, d despite how open I am here, I don't think I could do this with you guys twice a week for years, you know? <laughs> I'm very aware of the issues that I have 
and I don't, I don't really dwell on them, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It's, I, I don't, um, I do my best not to think about them. And I think I've, I've programmed my brain such that if I'm having like a really down time that I will get like a song stuck in my head and just like it consumes my entire thought process when I'm having a really bad fight with my my wife it'll be very one-sided it'll be her just like yelling at me and me just like I'm totally zoning out I am not here I'm just gonna play the chorus from Gimme Three Steps in my head over and over again for hours because it's annoying enough that it just consumes my entire being. And there is nothing worse than just having like, just like stuck in your head, like all the time. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think that has to do with like, that's my sort of way of coping with things. Um, if, if we can go back to my stepfather, it was just like, it was me withdrawing into myself and that's just like where I went, you know, being 12 or 13, I'm starting to develop my own taste in music and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And it's just like, it's my brain, um, just like taking me to that place, you know, not that I ever really liked, uh, Leonard Skinner, <laughs> but it, it, it always seems to be like something like that, 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 uh, you know, gets stuck in there. It was the only way I could survive, you know? Um, I was a scrawny 12-year-old. I couldn't fight this, like, 250-pound monster, like, physically, if I had to. I couldn't protect my sister, who, as we said, was probably worse off than I was. Um, it was the only thing that I could do was to just, like, I'm not here I'm not dealing with this. Um, yeah, that was, that was the only way I could survive that. So it was always my dream to become a musician and write these fantastic songs. Now, I can't sing to save my life. Uh, despite that uh, that clip of uh, Leonard Skinner, which I hope you can get the rights to before you publish this. But um, I learned how to play the guitar around that time. Um, I've, I've sort of turned to playing music as sort of an escape. It's like I can pick up a guitar now or a mandolin or a bass or my newest edition is the uh what is it called melodica oh yeah love the melodica um and it's just like i'm having a bad day but now it's just like it's me and it's this instrument and i am in complete control i'm no good at the melodica but that does not stop me from loving the hell out of that thing um, and so that's that's what I do. I, I, I would turn to music. Um, you know, it'd start with like listening to whatever I was into at that point. I was like 
Nirvana or uh, every edgy teen in the 90s was into Nirvana <laughs> to the point where like my stepfather got mad at me and he went through my CD collection and it had like Marilyn Manson and all that crap from the 90s but he just took out like the Nirvana CDs and he's like ha I'll show you <laughs> um and and so it yeah I, I just I started playing guitar and trying to write songs I mean I was never any good at them but it wasn't about the quality of the songs it was just the fact that I had something that I could focus my energy on something that I was in control of I feel like, well, today I'm in a good place, relatively. Um, I know that it's a roller coaster, and I know that eventually I'm going to hit that rock bottom again. And while it's not a breakthrough, I know that I just need to, to the best of my ability, just focus on... Not not even just staying positive, but I need to focus on being okay. Um, I need to focus on me, you know. One of the hardest things that I have to deal with is, um, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, is that mask you wear when you're out of the house. Um... I'm sure, I mean, I know that people at work know that I was in the hospital and why I was in the hospital uh, in November of 18, but like the day-to-day, you just like have to be brave, and it doesn't stop at work, unfortunately, when you have a family, because if I act like this in front of my kids, you know, my wife will let me have it. All I can say is that you got to do what you've got to do for yourself. You know, having a an important job or having kids doesn't mean that you're not a person with your own individual needs. You you, it's important to have. You know, they 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 talk about work life balance. When you're a parent, it seems like it's heavy on the work, not so much the life. You've got to do what you can to just maintain that. Because really, if you don't look out for yourself, then like no one is going to look out for you. And it sounds like really stereotypical. It sounds like almost cliche to say that, but it's true. Like There's no one else out there looking out for you. I love my wife. And I love my family. But, and if I was to put myself in her shoes, I would say, like, I don't know how she puts up with me every single day. You know, I have, there's times when I have more bad days than good. And it causes a lot of stress on our marriage. Um, But, you know, she's always there and I don't know how she puts up with me most days, you know, um, it, it's hard. It really is hard. You know, she, 
she's been so good. She she's she understands what I'm going through. Um and you know, someday she just doesn't want to put up with my shit and that's totally okay and she'll she'll let me know pretty quickly like I don't want to deal with you. Just stay in the bedroom all night. Stay away from me and the kids or she'll, you know, go out and do her thing. Um So so yeah, I mean, it it's it's hard on on all of us and there's days when I feel just like incredibly guilty for what I put my family through. Um and I want to say that makes me strive to be a better person. But at the end of the day, I know that I'm doing, I'm always doing the best that I can on every given day. Sometimes it's going to look like total crap. And other times, you know, it's going to be great. Everything's going to be fantastic. Um, but it, it's nice to have, have her in my corner. You know, I can't imagine going through this alone. You know, it's been really nice. Honestly, younger me would be like, come on, Patrick, you're still dealing with this bullshit. <laughs> I think... I want to say that it gets better, but that's not necessarily the case. What younger Patrick needs to realize is that, A, depression is not cool. It's not going to get you all the women you know it's a serious illness and you're going to need to to seek lifelong help for it and that's something that when I was younger I don't think I ever really realized I was like once I leave the house I'm gonna be great I'm gonna be happy no one's gonna bother me nothing's gonna bring me down but that's not the case. I would tell younger Patrick to stick with the therapy. And if you don't like the therapist that you're seeing, if you don't have that connection where you feel like you can be open with them, which is what I've always, I always seem to uh, run into, find someone else. Keep trying until it works. Because that being able to talk openly with someone who knows and understands is absolutely one of the most important things that you can do. As someone who has struggled with this for basically their whole life, it it's not only hard for people to understand what we're going through, but it's hard for me to feel like you don't feel tormented every single day? Like, how weird is that? Like, I can't wrap my head around that. I was I was open after my last um, suicide attempt with my boss. And I'm like, surely you felt, like, depressed. And he's like, no, no, I've never felt. And I'm like, are you sure? 
And he says, well, no, no, I've never really suffered with, uh, with depression or anything. And I'm like, well, it's a two-way street. Sometimes, you know, if you notice that someone is struggling with their mental health, maybe it gets to the point, you know, you're not supposed to understand exactly what they're going through. But you have to acknowledge that they are going through something. And really, at the end of the day, that's all there is. If I'm coming to you and I'm saying, listen, I'm having a shit day, and I just, I can't, I can't even, as the kids would say, you know, I don't need you to solve, I'm not, I'm pointing at you, but I don't mean you specifically. Um, I don't need you to solve my problems for me. I need to vent and I need to work through it. You might not understand exactly why I feel like this, but I just need someone there in my corner. I would say that's the most important thing. If you know someone who's struggling, just just be there. You know, there, there's, you'd be surprised how rarely someone will say, hey, Patrick, I've been noticing you've been sort of down. Do you want to talk about it? That almost never happens. I think there's this stigma that, oh, this person's depressed. They're going to kill themselves. I don't want to deal with them. Uh, why don't you just try being happy? And that's so damaging. You know, I hate it. <laughs> have, you, have you tried not being depressed? And I and I, I love my wife. She, she throws that at me every once in a while. Like, just, just turn it off. And I don't mean to get so extreme, but I'm like, I'll, I'll respond like, hey, have you ever thought of like not having cancer? Because it's the same thing. Like, it's the same thing. And that, that normally, you know, that if, if I bring that up, that's a sign that like, hey, Patrick needs some help. <laughs> and, and she'll call me out on that, which which good for her. But that that's all you can do is just be supportive, you know. The most important thing that you can do as a friend is just say, Hey, I know you're going through some shit. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to grab a beer? Do you want to get out? In my situation, I basically live across the street from where I work. And there will be weeks at a time where I won't leave that, like, 300 meter stretch and I don't want to trouble other people I don't want to say hey I'm having a hard time do you want to grab a beer do you want to go out if you know someone that's struggling that's the most important thing you can do is just say hey I'm here and it sounds like it's super easy and it sounds very cliched but sometimes that's like just hearing that or knowing that like someone is there for you is probably the most important thing as a friend that you can do if you see someone that's struggling. For more information, please visit youdon'tfightalone.org. The You Don't Fight Alone podcast is a production of You Don't Fight Alone Incorporated, produced and engineered by James Fisher and Keaton Lycom. 
The information presented by You Don't Fight Alone is not intended as medical advice. If you have mental health questions, please talk to a mental health professional.